moments of disclosure. This is a Paranormal Post edition of the Fedora Chronicles radio show for May 22nd, 2021. Chris Holm from Conspirer Theory returns to discuss the 60-minute segment that aired on CBS on Sunday, May 16th, on what the Pentagon and the United States military might disclose in a special report to Congress that is due this June about the countless UFO sightings by pilots, radar operators, and other military personnel. What would disclosure actually mean for society as a whole? Is this validation for countless people such as ourselves who already believe that there was something out there and wouldn't accept the obvious lies about weather balloons or swamp gas? What about the lives ruined by the U.S. government when they retaliated against whistleblowers who shared their experiences with the public? Chris joins Jason Cousineau and me, Eric Renderking Fisk, to discuss all of this and debate what will happen to people in disclosure movement when there is nothing left to disclose. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. One of the reasons why we wanted to do the show together is because we have a passion for the paranormal. This is, there's a reason why we had the, the metaphysical connection, which has evolved into the paranormal post. This is probably one of the biggest weekends for people who are into paranormal investigations and disclosure. And 60 Minutes did a segment on what's going on with the Pentagon. And did you guys get a chance to watch the 60 Minutes segment that I, that I had sent you? I haven't seen all of it. Okay. So yeah, watch I, some of it. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. Uh, you know, for, for me, it's, it, for those that are already in the mix, it's not anything new that I, that I haven't already seen already. But we'll probably get into that later. Well, for me, the whole thing is that there is a report due sometime in June, whereas um, Congress has demanded answers to what are these things? What what are these UFOs? What are these um, unexplained aerial phenomenon? Whatever it is you want to call it this week or, or this month. And... For listeners of the show, people know already that this is a very personal topic for me because um, my dad would leave these breadcrumbs. And it wasn't until much later or or very recently that we had discovered that my dad was recruited into the CIA. And he one of the things that he allegedly did, we don't know how true this is, is that he developed surveillance equipment. And then years before that, he went into the military and my dad was like, it was, he's sort of like a, a, a Midwestern party dude. And he came back and he saw some things and he totally did a 360 or, or 180. He came back a totally different person. And obviously he saw some things that he couldn't talk about and he wouldn't talk about. And he wouldn't talk about strange things that would have gotten you fired from your job in the 50s, 60s, and maybe even the 70s. Like, um, my dad was fascinated with all things paranormal that you could prove. Like, like um, if everybody claims that they saw something in the sky, like, what was that? Anything that... Um, 
anything that was well documented. My my dad was like really into. My dad had a um, small collection of books on UFOs from the perspective of the military. What did people in the military claim? And a lot of this stuff was all semi quasi um, uh, black bag classified material. And my dad was very choosy and very selective with the people that he talked to about this. Out of his six children, I'm the only one that he spoke to on a regular basis. And I don't know why. I don't know why it was just me. Now, Jay, you met my dad maybe once or twice. Yep. Um, and there were aspects of my dad. My dad was also like a broken person. Well, yeah, he also... He could be very off-putting. Um, he had high standards of what he considered to be valid proof of things. And he could be, I'm not, I don't know, I want kind of want to say standoffish. Like the first time I met your dad was actually at your wedding. Yeah. And he was excited for you. So it was, you know, he was in his... <laughs> he was on his best behavior, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, but then I met him again. It was a few years after that. He was just grouchy. He was just a prickly pear is the best way yeah. to put it. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, and, of course, the thing is, is that uh, when Art Bell's Coast to Coast show was on the AM radio. My dad was a night owl. Um, he lived for that stuff, and he had um, resurrected some of his old binders that he had from his military years, and he also had this orange crate that he carried around. Whatever it is you do, do not go looking into that orange crate, because apparently, from speculation from other people that I've spoken to, when dad was working in the government, he walked away with some papers. He kind of did a Daniel Ellsberg on his employers. He walked away with a couple of things that he should not have had. And, and that got him into a lot of trouble. Or one of the other theories that I've heard from one of my dad's friends is that in the event of an emergency, something would happen. Dad was told and or instructed to go to the nearest TV station or newspaper drop this crate off and say this is what the government has on topic X as sort of like a scorched somebody's scorched earth policy and doing the podcast that I did with Ariel Cooksley um, her, her podcast on the pod series and we, and, we, and we did two episodes talking about this history I'm not going to bore people to death any more than I already have on this but the the something happened. My dad had evidence that something happened. He didn't share it with everybody. He didn't even share it with most of his kids. And there were a lot of things in my dad's life that don't make a lot of sense. And that why 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 did why did Ford Aerospace? In Santa Clara, California, I think it was Santa Clara, California, hire this guy who is essentially a homeless dude 
troubleshoot and re-engineer aspects of some of the satellites that they worked on before that they were gobbled up and swallowed by some other aerospace company. How does, how does that happen? How is it that my dad knew uh, Russian, Korean, and a little bit of Hebrew? How is it that when my, when my fa- dad finally, quote, retired, he had all of this money saved to the bank, but yet he was homeless for a couple of years. How does a homeless man have hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank? How, how is it that when he went into a nursing home, guys in white trucks pulled into the last place he lived and cleaned the whole place out, including the orange crate that Jay and I were talking about, including one of the yeah. desktops that he had for ages? And why is it that when when I went to the nursing home and I grabbed all the things that my dad had told me to grab, he had these CD-ROMs that are encrypted. I can't open them. I still have them. So, and, and I I'm probably scaring the fuck out of Chris right now. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm I'm just I'm just sitting pretty. This this isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> well, I mean, my dad doesn't talk about his work either, and I have no idea what the hell he does. So we just make stuff up. We we just say, oh, yeah, my dad could kill you with a phone call. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's stuff like that, you know, and, and like I had a father who worked in the military, and, and he never talked about right. his experience. And I, unfortunately, we never asked him because we were rambunctious kids. So we were just eager to get out of the house. Right. And and just to, just to get ahead of it, you know, there's landscaping going on in the background. So if I, if I'm if if you hear a lawnmower passing by, I'll, I'll try as best I can to control it by shutting off my mic. That's fine, <laughs> that's fine. That happens here a lot yeah. as well. Um, but it's it's funny how we seem to find each other. Like the offspring of of clandestine people seem to find each other. Um, and one of the things that my dad had said is that before he died, he wanted the truth to become public. He wanted the world to know what's really going on. Not just not just the, the interesting stuff, like the UFOs and stuff like that. He also wanted the world to know about all the other weird sleazy shit that he was a part of when he was working for the government, when he was working for the military. Some of the stuff is starting to come out in dribs and drabs a little bit at a time. Um, and my dad used to just ask these like really strange questions, just totally out of the blue. Like we were like driving across the desert in Nevada in, in one of our many cross country trips, because he had a job, like I had said, like the one time he had a job at Ford aerospace, he was essentially a homeless guy living somewhere in middle of Vermont, got a phone call. Hey, Chuck, we got this job for you. When can you be here? And says, I'll be there as soon as I can pack the van. Well, the van was already packed because he was fucking living out of it. (laughs) And he said to me, hey, do you want to go to California? Of course, I'd like to go to California. So I quit my dishwashing job, drove across country. And my dad would say something like, hey, what if somebody were to tell you that what really crashed in Roswell was actually a flying wing that was brought over from Germany as a part of Operation, um, Operation Paperclip. What, what, what if somebody told you that? Would you believe that? Would you buy that? And I would like look at my dad and I would say, tell me more. And I'm just like, no, no, I'm just, I'm just wondering. 
I'm just wondering, like, what would, what would, what would you, what would you say to that? Hmm. You know, and it's like, and it's like, um, he said, hey, let, let, let me ask you something. What if, what if a, a, a ham radio operator received like strange signals that were coming from the other side of the moon? How, how would you feel about that? <laughs> how, what, what would you think about that? Do you, do you think that that would be an interesting story to share? And I'm like, yeah, yeah well, dad, tell me more. I said, no, no, just a hypothetical question. What if you what if you were going through your your yeah, there's nothing leading about that hypothetical question there, dad, nothing, Thanks. nothing leading at all. And it's like, hey, what would happen if you were just going through your dad's or your grandfather's stuff and and you found like uh, old used uh, airline tickets to Dallas in November 20th, 1963? Would that mean anything to you? Would that mean anything to you at all? Yeah, no, no. Tell me more. Nope. Just a hypothetical question. <laughs> and then he would do other stuff that is like, you know, if you're if, if you were if you were a father and your kid was a part of some strange genetic experiment in the late 1960s, how would you tell him? How would you want if you were that kid? How would you want your father to break the news to you? <laughs> Yeah, I, I would have issues with that, quote unquote, hypothetical being asked. Why, Dad? Why would you ask that question? Just a hypothetical question. Doesn't he feel must very been, hypothetical from this end, Dad. Yeah, he must have been really good at Guess Who, the board game. Yep. That must have been a lot of fun to play with him. I can just imagine. Right. Um, and, he, and my dad had a close friend. And I said had a close friend because they had a falling out who actually had a look at my dad's military record. And whatever was in there freaked his boss out because dad was was applying for another government agency job. And this guy, the local regional director, director had the last say in whether or not this guy could be brought on board. My dad was ham radio operator military trained spent years in whatever projects that they were working on and this and my dad was perfect for this job there's something that was in my father's military record or service record that spooked him and said even though chuck is perfect for the job i don't want him working with us for whatever reason and also, let's just say my dad also had a couple of breakdowns, like he would just break down and just cry for no good reason. And there's one time when we were again in Las Vegas in a parking lot, my dad was just crying almost hysterically. And he said, if you knew what I did, you would want nothing to do with me. You would run away from me as fast as you possibly could and would not elaborate, would not elaborate at all. Yeah, leave it to your imagination. That's that's the best route. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. Work for Jaws. So okay. So, but one of the things that he had had said to me time and time again, one of the things that we would always talk about, and and I remember when we were driving back from seeing the movie Contact in the movie theaters, the great movie with Jodie Foster, getting signals from space. My dad loved that movie this is also the same time he told me his carl sagan story and about the time that he was hanging out with paul horowitz 
And they were talking about like doing other big science projects. This is before SETI. And my my dad was just like, what what would disclosure really do to the world? What what would disclosure do? And how would you how would you feel knowing that the government knew what was going on with UFOs? Hmm. What would happen to the what would happen to America? What would happen to the economy? And the stock market and the Catholic Church, if one day the president of the United States, whoever it is, would get up on and say, uh, my fellow Americans, ladies and gentlemen, we've been lying to you for the past 75 years. And I would just think, well, now I'm also a big, huge space geek. And I think yeah. that would be amazing. That would be like one of the most <laughs> incredible things in the world to happen. Oh, my God. We're not alone in the universe. And my dad said, no, no, stop and think about it. The government has been lying to us for the past 75 years. How would you feel about that? And the thing is, is that they ruined and destroyed the lives of the people who were keeping their secrets for them. How would you feel about that? Like the reason why you couldn't go on the school student exchange program in 1987 was because of the government's secrets. And one of the things that just flashed back, I was told I couldn't go on the student exchange program to the Soviet Union because of my dad's work in the government. And I'll tell you who was in the room. at Two guys who I had never met before who were wearing identical um, suits. Mr. Lewis, who was the head of English at Brattleboro Union High School, and my homeroom teacher and AV um, uh, head honcho, Mr. Fenning. We were in the room and we were told that because of dad's work in the government, I wasn't allowed to go to the military. I go into, now that's another story as well. I wasn't allowed to go on this exchange program because I was a, a threat. They were afraid that I was going to be abducted and held for ransom or whatever. It was the craziest thing I had ever heard. And I'm kind of like thinking to myself, wait a minute. Is my dad trying to tell me that one of the reasons why I couldn't go because of this? I mean, I knew it was because of the secrets that my dad had, but could it have anything to do with fucking aliens? Or is he fucking with me again? And it was like, and... So flashback to this past Sunday, 60 Minutes just did a recent special um, report talking to Navy pilots about weird stuff that they have been seeing on their flight deck or their their cockpit cameras once that they've upgraded to what is it, ultraviolet or infrared cameras on all their targeting scopes. Yeah. As soon as they went to this this brand new technology of infrared, they're seeing all of this stuff and they're releasing it to the public in dribs and drabs. This is the most exciting, terrifying thing that you could possibly imagine um, if you think hard enough. Because A, they've ruined the lives of people who 
claim to have seen stuff, reported it to the public, and their lives are ruined. People who were in the military, who released this information to the public, their lives were ruined. Yeah. What do we do with that information? And what's going to happen when the report comes out sometime in June? Wouldn't it be ironic if it was, if it was June 17th? Just saying. Because that was my dad's birthday. How ironic would that, I mean, how ironic would that be if they released it on his birthday? But what would it do to us as a society when we find out that the government has been lying to us? Who wants to go first? Go ahead, Chris. Um, well, not not to be a complete cynic, but most people I would assume would be like, well, the government has always been lying to us. I mean, you know, like the MK Ultra, the Tuskegee experiment and stuff like that. You know, this is just one more one more feather in the in the quill or or what have you. You know, and and I and I guess that's sort of a non-grandiose long-term uh approach that I think that I believe most people would take is that well, we we've heard this all this stuff before this is nothing new. You know, it's like, oh, all the politicians are, are rotten crooks and such and such, you know. And I think it would be, you know, put into the, like, all, all the conspiracies and all that stuff leading up to then, you know, as as far as the the general public knows, that's all just fights of fancy. That's just a few, as, as far as they would know, a few crazy individuals who just, you know, flew flew off the coop. And, and, you know, and it's just, I, I guess they would gauge it by, you know, well, what does, you know, what am I allowed to think type of thing? Because now we, we've, we've relegated all our opinions to who's got the, the most likes and stuff on Twitter and stuff like that. You know, that's what I want. That's where, where I think, you know, it's going and it's sort of, I feel it's been engineered that way, but I, I, I want to get into that later. But as far as a general impression, I really don't expect it to make that big of a splash unless you're knee-deep into it already. And and the people who are knee-deep into it already, they're either, well, it's about time or, you know, I put so much into this already. You know, it's like I guess some people feel like their thunder is being stolen and and others are like you know this couldn't have come soon enough and for some it's validation and and i think for the rest it's like you know it's like well you know okay you know i kind of suspected that for the the longest time type of thing so i i really don't know what to make of it i'm just not expecting a, a game changing impact because that's not what the general populace is focused on at the moment. Jay, what do you think? I think it depends on who's president and how you feel about them. Right? Because if you're if you're a Republican and it comes out during Biden's administration, you're going to take that one way. If, it, if you're a Democrat and it comes out during Biden's administration, you're going to take it a different way. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of that is going to have to depend on the individual. I think if the government were to have like a big press conference and it would have to be the president himself at a big press conference saying it, right? 
yes, we know we've been visited by aliens. We have all of this proof. We are releasing everything. I personally have declassified everything. You know, if they came out and did that, and it was a huge data dump, and it wasn't, like Chris mentioned earlier, a quote-unquote huge data dump, but it ends up being a bunch of stuff we've already seen, then, you know, that's that is going to be received differently. Because there's people out there who are going to think that the government's lying to them no matter what, right? Even if they say, yeah, we have been lying to you, and here's the proof, they're going to be like, yeah, but no. No, you're still lying to us. Some of this is engineered kind of shit. You know, um, I know me personally, I'm always going to be wondering about the why. Why now? Why are you revealing all of this now? You've been keeping the secrets for 70 fucking years. Why are you revealing it now? What is happening? What is going to happen? Are you? Is this a smokescreen for something else? Is this because you know something's about to happen and you're getting ready to cushion the blow? I would be very suspicious of that. I don't trust the government either, though. I used to work for them. I was in the Coast Guard. So, yeah, I don't. I know there's things that go on that they don't tell us. Some of their reasons behind it are good. Some of them are not. But I would always be asking why. Why are you revealing this? Why is there this data dump? Why is there this kind of soft launch over the past year and a half of, you know, they've released fairly recent videos of Navy pilots interacting with unidentified aerial objects, right? Why? Why is this all coming out now? Why is it okay? Soft launch is a really good way to to phrase it because they couldn't just do it all at once. There just couldn't be a huge data dump. If they dumped everything all at once suddenly... I think that that would cause a huge shock. I think a lot of people would be like, oh, my God, what the F? And yeah, there we, there, I think I mean, and I mean this, you know, facetiously, there would be panic in the streets. That's that's the reason why they're doing it in dribs and draps the way that they're doing it. Well, partially, yeah, but also at the same time, there's always going to be the skeptics, right? Like. I think all three of us are probably going to go through it and look and say, okay, well, how much of this have we seen before? How much of this is actually new? Um, how much of this is confirming suspicions that we've had? But there's also going to be that element. There's also going to be an aspect to it that is going to feel disingenuous and nefarious, Right. Like if Biden releases all of this stuff, I'm going to be wondering what the hell's going on. You know, Trump releasing it is like, you know, Trump's an agent of chaos. He's an agent of disruption in our political process. That was his that was what he did when he was in office. I agreed with some of the things he did. I disagreed with just about everything in the, as to how he did things. But I did agree with some of the things he did and I didn't agree with some of the things he did. But he was an agent of disruption. It would be very in character for him to release something like that just to release it, not out of any moral superiority. If Biden were to release it, though, he's been in the government for over for as long as I've been alive, 50 years, right? So if he releases it, they, I'm going to be a lot more suspicious because why is he releasing it? 
You know, he's not just chaotic, disruptive element like Trump was. If Obama had done it, I'd be wondering why. If Bush had done it, either one of them, I would be wondering why. Because these are people who are involved in the government and have been. So I would be waiting for the other foot to fall at that point. Yeah, I've also heard from like other people because I'm not that familiar with uh, Biden politically. As far as I think he was a little bit before my time or when he was active, politically active, I wasn't. But from what I've heard, he was pretty much, you know, uh, a standard G-man. He would be the guy who would keep things, it would keep the lid on everything to keep right. their, to keep the money rolling. Yep. And and to to just get anything out of him, I think, would shock and surprise most people. And honestly, I think, you know... I, I mean, not not trying to be you know facetious here, but I think everyone expected a massive uh, dump, a massive this this uh, dog and pony show that we're currently seeing now. It was supposed to have happened in 2016 when Hillary Clinton took office. It was supposed yeah. to be her avant-garde, you know, her gala, to be her crowning achievement. You know, and 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 you know, say what you will about her. You know, it. I believe that's what it was because even in the 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 like our 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 peers in the in the field and stuff like that. So many of them, you know, they had no problem, you know, holding holding it in for another four years until Trump passed office because they were so excited to let it all out during uh what they perceived was going to be a, a Hillary win. And that rubbed me the wrong way because I'm like, we've been sitting on this collectively as a as a as a community for 70 plus years. But you all are willing to just sit on it because Orange Man bad? I mean, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? You know, like is this even serious? No, yeah, and, and, I, I totally and I just, agree with you. I totally agree. And, with and you. I find it infuriating, but that's all over with. Trump is no longer a factor. He he's he's out of office. He's been depersoned. You know, I mean, would have, could have, should have. We could go in circles on the semantics of that, but right now, that's not the reality of the situation. What the what the reality of the situation is. We have Biden doing it, and and I know it's questionable and even laughable that some people wonder, well, is is he really doing it, or whoever is pulling his strings? Uh, is is you say the same it. thing about Trump when Trump was in, though? Right. They stay. They've okay. said. They've said. Yeah. They've said that for as long as I've been in following politics. I remember, yeah. like way back when, like I was really starting to take notice of what's going on in politics. They were talking about, like, who's pulling Jimmy Carter's strings? Then it was Ronald mm -hmm. Reagan. Like, somehow Ronald Reagan is not the real president. Ronald Reagan is 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 um, uh, naive and senile, and he has early onset uh, uh, um, uh, Alzheimer's Dementia. disease. And then, yeah. and then, and then, of course, there was George Senior, former CIA director. We had four years of who's pulling his strings. Then Bill Clinton, and then. Uh, uh, Bush the second who's pulling his strings who's pulling Dick Cheney's strings there's so much speculation about Dick Cheney being the real president 
and George Bush yeah. just being a figurehead. And then, of course, Barack Obama, you know, who else besides Bill Ayers is pulling his strings? And then Trump, like Vladimir Putin is the puppet master for Trump. And now Biden, it, we've gone now. Now we've gone back full circle to the Reagan years saying that, oh, well, he's old and he's senile. I mean, you and I have talked about that, Jay, thinking that maybe he's not fit because he's not yeah. fit to be president. We talked about that when he first freaking announced. Right. And it was just like. I don't think that you're ever going to get rid of the the thought or the question about what you know who's who's pulling whose strings. I think you're all you're always going to have that. Um, I I, yeah. I whoever I'm sorry I don't I, don't, I didn't mean to yeah, cut you off. No, I I think I sort of I I think I sort of tugged a little bit too hard on that on that thread. And sort of unraveled that sweater a bit much more than I than I meant to. Okay. The it's it's just the thing is that with with uh, with the Biden admin, you know, I mean, he's sort of a by the book. Right. He comes off as a sort of a by the book guy, and I expect a by the book response from him, and I'm sure many others do. And I know that some people, you know, and it's more of a red team, blue team aesthetic that that you know they, they're sort of leaning whether they admit to it or not and and unfortunately that's just that's just sort of become a thing now that's become the most divisive thing now whereas 20 years ago as far as we knew you know red team blue team stuff didn't really matter everybody sniffed cork cocaine off the same hooker at the same parties you know <laughs> yeah. it yep. didn't matter back then but now it's a most divisive feature that is, you know, really getting us at each other. And, and that you know, leads into something else. But, you know, I'm, I'm just shoehorning that in mm -hmm. because that's the current lens that we have to look at this through now. And it's something where we really don't have a choice. And I, I just think that, you know, as far as, as, what I expect the the government and the administration to do, I, I expect it to to do what it always does, which is it's going to do whatever it does, but its own self interests are going to be looked after first and primary. Totally you know, it's, it will always yeah. cover its own ass before anything. Yeah, we're going to get table scraps, you know, but the the main meal and for the main course, you know, we're going to get like the sort of you know most. Um, adulterated and, and edited and, you know, uh, you, whatever, uh, the most skewered of, of the bone before we get to it. Yeah. So even if they do release this report from the Pentagon to Congress and comes out and say, this is what we know about unidentified aerial phenomenon, or UFOs. What we see is going to be an adulterated, watered-down version, like the kind of like the the watered-down white wine the French give their give their toddlers on Sunday dinners. Basically, like what we're looking at here. Yeah, I I just expect nothing new. That we're going to see it. The those who haven't those. The, the under 25s are going to be like, ooh, this is this changes everything. This changes everything. And the, the over 25s are going to be like, 
Yeah, well, we've sort of been, you know, running this mill for for years, for decades type of thing. This really isn't anything new type of uh, that's what I'm afraid is it's going Same to be nothing shit, different new. day. Yeah. And and it's just going to be, you know, I mean, right now I think the biggest hurdle as we've seen from the 60 minutes segment, which is I think just an audio book version of the New York Times article. Yeah. is is that it's just the government just admits that the phenomenon is real to an extent. But as far as, you know, but as far as what do we do with that then, I, I think is the, the next question then. It's like, well, I mean, whether the day comes and goes, whether there's a distraction, any anything else going on in the world at that time is going to be looked at as suspect as, you know, it's like what is happening over here to keep us from looking at this. You know, I mean, you're going to get your Sam Tripoli's in the world. It's going to be like, what are they going to, what's going to happen that's going to be a red flag to distract us from from them doing this so they have an excuse to tuck it away for another few decades. And I'm pretty sure it's going to, I presume it's going to be completely uneventful. It's going to be, you know, just more gobbledygook like we've been getting. You know, you're going to get your George Knapps and Jeremy Corbells, and they're mm-hmm. going to do their mystery box bullshit, like always. You know, and, and I'm not, you know, throwing them under the bus. It's just I've seen things where I, you know, it, some things have rubbed me the wrong way, and, and I can get into that later. But it's it's just sort of, you know, the what I think is going to happen, and this is why I've alluded to this earlier with Eric, uh, is that I think – What's being set up is that we're going to see uh, is that we're going to see a change in guard as far as the media goes. That we're going to see a divide. That as far as how information is controlled, and that there's going to be two forms of media. There's going to be access media, which is the people who get to talk to Lou Elizondo, and the people who get to talk to all these. Um, these these other people, the sort of the the Joe Rogans, the Micah Hanks, the Debbie Reef, uh, the the uh, Ryan Spraggs of the world, you know, all these people that are allowed to speak to these guys. And then there's going to be everybody else, and everybody else who talks about it. They're going to be alt media, as in you know the the alternative, and they sort of always been the alternative, and we yeah. all were the alternative. But now there's going to be few who are going to be let in through the gates. And I think that, you know, with how what we've seen with uh, with media, I, I call what I like to call this. What I believe is going to happen is that a, a new model, a new media model is going to be applied to the UFO phenomena. It's going to be Gamergate 3.0 because we saw Gamergate sort of happen. And it was it started out as sort of, you know, a, a girl just sleeping with journalists or or and journalists simping for her. So she could get good reviews on on her video game, which was a crap video game, and she never even released it, as far as I know. And then that boiled into you know misogyny and and video games, and and it caught the attention of of journalists, activists, and that was you know even though journalism was dead long before then, you know we don't have any real journalists anymore. Yeah. We have activist journalists. And then that model went on to Comicsgate, where, you know, um, 
there was a systematic push to push uh, conservative and, and Trump supporters out of the comic book industry because people were being appointed for um, – well, I, I would argue for, that for, that's been all of that's been going on for a while. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm I'm just I'm just bringing that up as an example, as oh, far okay. as how it will be, how we will see it applied to uh, UFO and paranormal right. media. And, and I'm, I'm just using that, that as a as a model. Yeah, well, with any new technology that comes along, even though the internet isn't, I mean, you really kind of can't consider it to be that new, but it's still new in that it's still disrupting established long-standing industries like for example the publishing industry right they're still struggling with how to deal with it because there's print-on-demand stuff like kindle and yep um uh what's the other one um read something earlier anyway you know you've got these print-on-demand things so anyone can write a book and you can even if you're willing to pay enough money get it to have an isbn number so it'll be listed in you know, for for bookstores to actually purchase and stuff, and it, you'll get it listed on Amazon, and you can get it out there. Yeah, anyway. yeah, that that is true, but not everyone can talk to Lou Elizondo. And and, and that's, the thing is, but that's is, exactly it. And it, yeah. what it boils down to with that, though, is like you said, it's all about the control of information, controlling access to people, right? Mm-hmm. Who has what access to whom you're going to yeah, get the and, Joe Rogans what, of the world. Yeah. And what but I then there's also going to be the, the people who dismiss Joe Rogan. Oh, he's just that comic with, uh, you know, he talks to people like Graham Hancock, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. But, the, but the thing is, is that I, I guess I, I was probably rambling for a bit too much. And no, not, not at all. Point. Not at all. I mean, is this is plus on this show. Come on. Have you yeah. Heard it? I mean, <laughs> here's, here's the thing. I mean, it's like, you think you're rambling on and I'm thinking to myself, we got to have Chris on more often. <laughs> well, well, the thing is that the, the overall point is that, is that their, their control mechanisms are being established where people can be dismissed. Um, yeah. Everybody has a podcast now. Everybody has a show. That's, that, that's good. But I remember even earlier, the people who, are, who weren't let into the club before, I remember hearing them complaining that they couldn't get to Lou Elizondo when he was part of To the Stars. And that that I think it was um, Cheryl Costa. She was complaining about how she she was trying to interview him, but she couldn't ask certain questions so long as he was under the under the under to the stars banner. And, yeah. and they were very very tight niched as far as what they could allow him to talk about. And well, I think now that, that he's he's on who, his own, he's sort of a free agent. I don't think he's saying any more than what he said when he was under their under their thumb. And that's what bothers me is that every every single interview that people have on this show is the same interview. It's just he's on their show giving their interview. Everyone has their right. version of the same interview, but, but and they're after also the show, the same yeah, questions. Yeah. And and afterwards, they all say the same thing of, oh, I remember back talking to him and I read in between the lines of this, and it's just open speculation. You know, right. they, they really can't say anything. But that then again, he you've said. also got the the element of like who was it the um eric the who was the the woman who reporter got caught on the hot mic bitching about how she actually had a lot of information about epstein and then the oh yeah the i cannot i cannot remember her uh her name as soon as as soon as we start you know recording yeah about, i know right? exactly who you're talking about yeah you know and so it's it's the same thing you've got 
either it's an editor or it's a um, a handler for the celebrity themselves or the the news source itself. You're always going to have somebody that's going to act in that role as gatekeeper, right? Mm-hmm. You're not allowed. We'll we'll allow you to interview so and so on your show, but here are the no go areas in terms of questions you can ask, and. If you violate those no-go areas, people are not going to show up because there's things yeah. people don't want to talk about. Like you can't interview Robert Downey Jr. and ask him about his problems with with drugs in the past because he doesn't want to talk about it. He's talked about it enough in his opinion. He's moved on from it. He hasn't had any relapses in quite some time. So you're just being a dick. You know what I mean? So yeah. you're always going to have that to some extent. But then, you know, especially when it comes to like the politics part of it. You're always going to have those handlers. You know, if you ever get to interview Joe Biden while he's sitting president, you can't go off script with him. I wanted to remind everybody about an incident that we had with this guy, Frank Collin. Now, everybody ought to know Frank Collin was um, uh, a former political activist. I'm reading off his Wikipedia page. Uh, form, uh, American former political activist and Midwest coordinator for the American Nazi Party also later known as the National Socialist White People's Party. And after he was um, outed from the party for <laughs> partly being Jewish, that's really not funny, um, this this is the guy who went all the way up to the Supreme Court to fight for the right to have a Nazi rally um, in, in somewhere in Illinois. And he was a... Uh, he was a character that was parodied in the movie The Blues Brothers. This guy was the most famous American Nazi that you could think of in the 70s and early 80s. And Frank Collin later um, went by the name of, or now he's going by the name of Frank Joseph. And his publisher got in touch with Walt and I wanting to know if we would do an interview with him on the metaphysical connection. And of course, what I did was that I I just looked up his name on the internet. And there it is. If you do a search for Frank Joseph, it comes up that he's the artist formerly known as Frank Collin, the world's most famous notorious Nazi. And when I got back in touch with his publisher, I said, we ought to talk to him about how did he go from being a, a, a Nazi to somebody who has totally disavowed fascism and is now writing novels about the paranormal? Absolutely not. You can't, you can't touch upon that at all. You can't talk about that at all. Now, I thought that would be the most amazing, fascinating bit of pod that we could, we could do. You could not talk to him about his role as a as as a former nazi or as a nazi you couldn't you couldn't do it it was verboten and um maybe that's a bad choice of words on my part but i have had very very little experience with handlers and that's i think that one of the reasons why we are as successful and i use that in quotations is that we are kind of no holds barred but we also kind of keep it as intelligent as possible as we can because, you know, I mean, we want to be gonzo journalism, but also we want to have some little bit of self-respect and credibility left, if you know what I mean. 
Yeah, and I, and I guess that's sort of what separates alternative media from access media, is that the people who play ball, they're going to get to to talk to the 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 celebrities. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna get the free gift backs baskets in the mail. They're gonna get the access because they play nice and, and they're good little boys and girls. The people who want to ask the more tougher, harder questions. And it's not a, it's, I mean, style and stuff like that. That's, that's, those are just semantics. Everybody has their own unique style, be it called Gonzo or whatever it is. It is that there is topics up, up there that I think are more um, up for grabs and stuff like that. And, and these are questions that, you know, they do have an audience. And, and I, and I, and I know I'm being very crass about it, but it, but it's just the thing is that, you know, we can't before access media was the networks and then YouTube came along and crushed them. And then, you know, and now people just speculating, talking about stuff, you know, and stuff like that is, is making more news than the actual news itself. Right. People asking questions that, 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 you know, that later formulate into stuff like, you know, um, into like sort of like campaigns that, they get pushed onto like all these other sources and all that stuff. It is, it is an interesting thing. And I, and it's just, I, I guess I was sort of trying to get something into that. And I really didn't know. I guess I sort of like, I just sort of feel like that sort of control model that people, what we're seeing now is that everyone is going to become you know, it's either it's either you play ball and you get to talk to these people and then you get your numbers up because it's been determined that these people in the UFO field, we worship credibility. That is our God. You know, that that is that is what we what we bow to the altar of. That's why, you know, cops and firemen and civil servants of that, you know, we bend over to suck their dicks in this field when right. they have stories to tell. And the right. thing is. They have just as much, you know, they could be just as full of shit as anybody else. But, you know, the but that doesn't stop us from that doesn't stop us from using that sort of because we love that word. We love that credibility and stuff like that. And we got a big deal. We just we just love it so much. And it's just a thing that I feel that this is one more control mechanism that's going to be put in place to restrict us. And now with cancel culture being prevalent, and I guess this is where I'm going completely off the rails, is that now the government doesn't have to do anything to silence dissenting opinions. The, the social media platforms and private companies are more than willing to do their job for them, to outsource that, right. silencing dissenting voices. And and if if anybody, you know, who asks like, well, you know, I mean, because no one's going to ask Lou Elizondo, what about all those people whose lives were ruined by right. the government, who were screwed over? You know, I mean, you know, we can agree and disagree on whether or not that's a fair question or whether or not he should be asked that. But the thing is, you'll never hear that question asked on access media. As far as I know, and I'm I'm pretty sure that someone will. Well, here's a clip of him on this show, right? You know, addressing it. And if it does, then good, good. But as far as you know, for the future, I don't know if that will always be the case, 
because right now all it takes to take someone out is just an accusation, not evidence. Just the accusation. Not evidence out. Just an accusation is enough yeah. to take people out. And and when it comes and where every single journalist is an activist now, that means everybody's got a gun and and the target is on the back of everyone else's heads. Yeah. And everyone wants to climb the ladder and they will do anything to climb that ladder. Even, you know, build networks and stuff like that and then and then throw all those people under the bus if it means they get a little bit higher up the up the ladder. And and it's just creating what I think is a very, you know, dangerous thing and it's like to sort of stick up you got to be able to to you know stay up on your on your own and and float up you know on your own rather than you know rely on on other people i mean because a lot of us we had to start all our stuff on our own oh yeah you have to provide your own servers i mean just look what happened to parlor they got wished out just on the assumption that trump would go there that's it that's all it took Whereas, you know, and we have Facebook and Twitter and they have all these vague community guidelines, like everything they censor so much and, and editorialize so much on the basis of community standards. I mean, yet trying to trying to fight it, you know, the average person cannot do that. The average person does not have the resources to challenge that if, like, say they write an article or, or have a piece that they cannot, you know, uh, take out of that, you know, that, that their, their hands are going to be instantly tied because they're not control of the, they not in control of the platform. And then the common retort is we'll make your own platform. But when other people try, look what happened, they get the rug pulled out from under them. And, and it, this sort of is the yeah. fault of, of the, of other people aside from the fringe, not being as tech savvy as they should be and not, and, having the sort of like, well, I would never do that. I would never do that. But your enemy, they absolutely would do that. They absolutely would go there and they have gone there. And that's why they're, they're winning. Unfortunately. I mean, people on, on all the, the alternative fronts, they have to learn to get more tech savvy. They have to learn to get more technologically independent and stuff like that. I mean, because you can't rely on anyone else anymore because that's just the way that we're going. And as far as the UFO and disclosure and stuff like that, I feel that that's what's going to keep any type of information that they don't want getting out under wraps is that all it has. I mean, I can definitely see a large of the, the people who have been in the field for 70 years plus, I can totally see them getting wiped out. Yeah. Uh, just an accusation from a young buck who's coming in. Because I remember this one, I remember I was following this one person on Twitter and it was a, a trans person who, um, who who had their own UFO show on, on YouTube and all this stuff like this. And and they walked into, they, they wrote a post where they walked into a MUFON meeting and then they felt terrified and left because someone was wearing a MAGA hat. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, it's like I felt microaggressionized and 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 like my life was in danger. And it's like, like you know. And of course, if I had clicked on like, well, well, did you engage that person? Did you talk right. to that person? If you had, then you probably see there's absolutely nothing. You worked yourself into a frenzy so that you could exclude yourself, so you'd have something to complain about, so you could feel. You know, so you could get brownie points on the internet for feeling persecuted. 
Right. And and, 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 and nobody cares. Nobody cares when you're at a MUFON meeting or you're in any of these paranormal group meetings. Nobody cares. Do you, are, are, are you looking for answers? Are you looking for the truth? I, I mean, or for that's my perspective. I might be wrong. I don't care what side of the political aisle you come from. Yeah, but you're you're a rational person to say, to, you know, as rational as you can, as me and you can be. Right. But but the thing is, is that the, the other people out there, they're not. And they have clout to chase by behaving irrationally and pointing it out means you're just another cog in the opposition is trying to destroy them. You f- any type of opposition feeds into their persecution complex. It's sort of their Cassandra syndrome. And, you know, and the thing is that what we've lost, unfortunately, and I feel like podcasting is the last bastion of this, we've lost debate. We've yeah. lost the, uh, the, the ability to debate and to have a conversation. I mean, I, I do sort of feel like, you know, like uh, the people are out there saying that podcasting is the last bastion of free speech, you know, because people have to sit and they have to talk. You know, it's not a Twitter spat. It's not a, a clicky, clicky bait spat like that where you could just go off and then, you know, make an accusation and then the other person is dismissed and fired from their jobs and stuff like that. And and as far as the Internet, it's it's brought out the worst in people. And I uh, think it certainly that has social media and stuff like that. We've it's it's given us more access than we can mentally handle. And I think we need a couple of years to catch up on that. And I feel that these are real issues that we have to deal with. You know, I mean, I, I'm going to probably bring it up like every single time. Like it's my it's my go to type of thing. It's it's my it's my guilty verdict for the, the O.J. Simpson trial that, you know, that keeps getting brought up every single time. Because I remember I think it was like, was it Josh Corden or something like that? The, the TV actor who became a a pundit on Fox or something like that. You know, he, he ruined his career by constantly beating the OJ Simpson verdict into the ground, you know, by, by micro analyzing every single little thing that, yeah. that's sort of me. I'm that with cancel culture. Oh, oh, I, like I, yeah. You and I are on the same page with this Yeah, because one of the, um, and I, I think that I'm going to break off the chit chat that we had about diesel punk into its own, uh, its own episode as it were. Uh, be, be, uh, just just because I they're just so they're just so different from each other. I hope and I hope you don't mind. The, no, that's fine. The other pro the other problem that I had with all of this cancel cu- culture nonsense, especially in a group that I was very close to. I was very close to a lot of these people who are in the diesel punk community and people that I did podcasts with. Um. I have no problem being called a conspiracy theorist by certain people. I cuz I, I I talk about conspiracy theories to such an extent that I will even go so far as debunk some of them. Like I don't think that Hillary Clinton is a satanist who sacrifices children for adrenal chrome. I, I just I just don't think that she does that. I uh, and but I will get into why did that rumor begin? Why did people and I was talking about the lab leak hypothesis with one of the other co-hosts or former co-hosts of the diesel punk podcast. And the thing is, is that it was just like, here, here's all the evidence that I've read about this. And this guy 
who I thought was a friend of mine, was very dismissive. And then some of the other people said to me, he's trying to cancel you behind the scenes. I don't know if you know this or not, because you're willing to talk about the lab leak hypothesis. And I thought that, that that was ridiculous. Why would somebody who I thought was a friend want to cancel me because I'm willing to talk about it and, and try and do, and actually try and debunk a conspiracy theory. And that's the, that's the entire thing where it's like everything, including ufology is now being politicized where I don't think it, 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 we have a right to politicize it. I don't think that you should be bringing politics, red team versus blue team, orange man, bad or Joe in the hoe into the conversation that, that all of that, all of that doesn't belong when we're trying to discuss, well, where do they come from? Who are they? Why are they here? What do they want from us? Do they even or are we just are we just ants uh, um, uh, on, on the on the side of the grapefruit for them? What, like, what, what are we to them? Are, are they curious about us or are they just here for um, for natural resources and unlimited supplies of salt water? I don't know. What are they here for? Do they are, do they come from beneath the ocean or they do they come from outer space or another dimension or something else? I, I don't we can't comprehend. And it's like and then people want to politicize this. And it was like all of a sudden and like we, what we were talking about with Jay. And by the way, I hate to say this. Um, Jay had to part company. Jay got called away on work on an on an emergency. Mm. Um, and I just got a text. I'm thinking I'm just, it just like looks weird. Like, what the hell is that all about? Um, there's coming to get you. There's no because the thing I, I don't think that the aliens, what, whatever they are, give a shit uh, about Trump or Biden or blue team or red team. I don't think they care. I, I think that's that's so insignificant to them. Yeah, it, it shouldn't matter in the grander scheme of things. But it's it's impossible to escape. In, in our in whatever it is that we got going on and and it's not just it's and it's done subtly even though people claim that that they're not i mean because so many people are like it, it's like this whole woke stuff i mean the it used to be a a, a cherished thing of the conservative right where they would use it to you know beat down and morally browbeat and and, and censure people you know, for what they claimed was the greater good. But now the left has taken it and, you know, they've, they've you know, hooked it up to the sun and, and, and you know, made it, you know, ultra solar green powered, you know, beyond beyond infinity of, of whatever it is and using it to, to browbeat everyone else, even to the point that they're even burning themselves in the process. But they don't care because, you know, the cause matters more. And, and it's just... It's just going to end in the sort of it's it's like it's like mutually assured destruction, except one side has already set off the nuke and, and we're all just caught in the blast. I completely, totally agree with you on the fact that um, they have they have started something that now can't be stopped. It can't be finished. And I and mm -hmm. and I. There are times I wonder, is this the end of society? Is is society going to continue to devolve? What are the riots 
of the summer of 2021 going to look like? Is it going to look anything like the la- like the riots of last summer? Um, I think I think the cance- cancel culture is killing our society. I strongly believe. Yeah. I honestly believe that. That's um, why I'm. That's why I'm so adamant about, you know, the the possibility of it being leaked into disclosure, and used as a control mechanism, because there are so many prominent researchers and people out there, who I'm pretty sure are old fat white dudes, who you know are very easy to dismiss, you know, because they're they they come from a different era, and and it's like. You know, and, and all it takes is one person to, you know, who who may not have the same merit, but they want to make a career for themselves. And it's very easy to lull all these other older generation into a false sense of security and trust. And then they're going to get stabbed in the back, you know, and dismissed. And all of their work is going to be, you know, all their work and effort and everything that they've done is just going to be dismissed with them. And it's it's just instead of we've gotten to the point that we can't argue because no one attacks the argument. They attack the person. Right. And instead of, you know, proving the other person wrong, we just call them a name and then and then antagonize them until they until they leave or, or kill themselves. That that is the ultimate I mean, it's gotten to the part that, you know, people just disagreeing on the internet has gotten to the part that, you know, that people are getting pictures of their children getting off of school buses with people right. who want them to, to who want to harass them. And when they go to the authorities about it, because they're on the wrong side of history or what have you, right. nothing is done about it. And it's it's infuriating. So if you, and I'm afraid if you and tr- I'm afraid of yeah. It's it's like the the government now they just outsource their their they're Gestapo or men in black or whatever. And that's like now everyone's a man in black. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing is, is like if you have the wrong think speak, if I could just use that vernacular from 1984, if you have the wrong thought process, if you commit a thought crime, if you actually ask a simple, honest, genuine question, you might find yourself being deplatformed on Twitter. There are some things, there's some questions that I ask on Parler that I would never in a million years think about posting on Twitter anymore because if you ask the simple question about where are we going with this cancel culture and at what point do we stop and what time do we have we canceled enough people, that could get you canceled. If you question cancel culture, you might find yourself canceled on social media. And if you have a platform such as the Fedora Chronicles or Conspire a Theory and you need social media to get the word out that you have the show, you have to be careful on the toes that you step or the eggshells that you're walking on. Yeah, and, and this is stuff that I, I don't take any joy talking about it because i want to talk about crazy shit i want to talk about you know if i do talk about hillary clinton i want it to be about how she's quite possibly a lizard person and she eats babies you know i mean i would never believe that but it's fun to talk about 
you know, you know, it, it's a fun thing to, to speculate on. Like, well, if she did, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, that would be my, that would be my deal. And then, and then that would be the show, you know, type of thing. I want to get in, I want conspiracy and stuff to be fun. I do. I want to talk about how like, it, you know, the, the earth is flat. How does that work? You know, and stuff like that. And, and is the moon hollow and is the moon fake and is the moon out to get us type of thing? Yeah. You know, it, it's fun. conspiracy theory used to be fun and now it's used as a, as a means to uh, dismiss political opposition. Yeah. And, and it's, it's sort of inferior because I feel like, you know, like again with with uh, the diesel punks type of stuff, it's I feel like my culture is being appropriated and misused. My God, I feel exactly the same way. I feel exactly the same way. I don't know if you're old enough to remember. I guess you and I are the same age. I'm fifty two, and yeah, I'm like about just a few years younger. Okay, I remember when if you were a good liberal. You had to question the Warren report. Now, it's like if you questioned authority, your persona non grata. You have to believe what the government says. When did that happen? When? I, I think, yeah, I think when punk became, you know, surrendering to authority instead of defying it. Or when punk became the authority. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, defy the authority until I am the authority. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. anyway, I hate I hate to have a hard break like this. I just realized no that problem. I do no have problem. I do I can have come to come back again. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Whenever you're you have the day off and Jay and I are recording, we're definitely going to reach out to you. Just let my listeners know really quickly. Where can we find conspiracy conspire a theory? Yeah, sure. Just look up. Uh, go to Podomatic slash backslash conspire theory and. It's podomatic.com backslash conspire theory. That should lead you to the main page. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at conspire theory, all one word. On Instagram, it's conspire a theory. They're separated with underscores. And just, you know, just keep a lookout for me on there. And it's probably, you know, the best place to find me is probably on Instagram. That's the most tamest place. That's where I behave the most. All right. Excellent. But, you know, and just look for the show. Just Google google conspire a theory podcast and it'll be the first one that'll pop up and they'll let you listen to it off of their off of their links they'll provide links for you to listen to it and, and find other places we're also going to have links uh, to your show on the on, on the show page um let's also get back into the things that you wanted to cover that you that you postponed for later there's like two points that you wanted to cover i also want to get your hot take on what's going on with jeremy corbyn and how did he become access media we're going to save that for next time okay yeah, sure thing. Sure thing. I got like two examples to bring up of him behaving oddly that I just found, you know, weird. But, you know, again, we'll, we'll discuss that at a later time. That's, but thank yep. you for listening, folks. And, and thank you, Eric and Jay, for uh, letting me on the show. I'm glad that we finally got things together. And I yep. look forward to coming back and discussing more issues because we're not done. We're, oh, we're far from done. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. 
Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, Chronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by Olive Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020, all rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renner King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on. <laughs>